welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is a podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. And welcome to episode 111 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to be chatting to 16-year-old Oscar Target, a carter living alone in Italy. We talk about his current racing opportunities, his career to date, and his racing goals. Also, I'd like to say a very big thank you for listening to this podcast. I understand there are lots of Motorsport Podcasts to choose from. I do hope that these podcasts are helping you to improve your performance. And of course, I value any feedback, so please don't hesitate to get in contact with me directly at win at Motivate Training or leave a review on the platform that you're listening to us today. Crew, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did talking to Oscar. Please follow his journey on his career on the links that will be available in today's show notes and, and mentioned into the show. Let's get started. So good evening. Welcome to the Most Walk Coaching Podcast, Oscar. Hello, good morning. Well, good morning for you. Yes, so you're currently in Italy. Um, so what time is it over there? Uh, it's nine o'clock in the morning here. So just got up, had some breakfast, got ready, well, dodged up a bit of a um, position to sit to do this interview and yeah, now we're here. Fantastic. So for those who don't know you, how did you get started in motorsports? Um. I got started in motorsport because both of my parents were really involved in karting for for forever, really. And I'm pretty sure I would have gone to the go-kart track the first time before I was even a month old. So I was kind of, you know, always heading down that track. And then when I was probably three or four years old, Dad asked me if I wanted to have a go. And I said yes and had a go. And then I'd know I might get... I might send you a photo. I uh, I refused to put on a full face helmet because I didn't want to like close the visor. So I was wearing my bike helmet oh, around the first time I ever drove. And then, yeah, it's just kind of gone from there and through karting all the way until I've ended up over here in Europe. Uh, so just going back there, you do have an older sister. How did she get yeah. away from competing motorsports or did she dip a toe into it as well? Or? Well, she had a little bit of a go, but she would go through phases where she was really interested and then she didn't want to come anymore and then suddenly she'd turn up at the track and be like, where's my go-kart? So (laughs) she had a couple goes, but just she really enjoys, you know, painting and drawing and a lot of those things. So she kind of stuck to that side. So she's more creative. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Well, a lot more. And so uh, your love for motorsports, as you said, was from your parents. Um, but did you want to actually go driving or did you feel pressured that you'd have to do this because of, because of who your parents are? Well, apparently <laughs> I stayed at my grandma's house the night before I first drove a go-kart and I told her that I didn't really want to do it because, but I felt like I needed to because of Dad. Yep. But then, obviously, the first time I drove, there was no sort of questioning if I wanted to do it anymore. It was just 100% race as much as we can and go driving and, you know, going, Dad, when can we go to the track next? Let's go, let's go. So, yeah, for sure, at at the start, like, I don't actually remember, but my grandma has told me before that 
I was like, oh, I'm not sure. But <laughs> yeah, after the and you time. are living your dream in Italy, so it can't yeah. be that bad. <laughs> you must really enjoy it. But you're yeah. so little, like when you started, I remember in cadets, I mean, as most cadets are little. Um, yeah. yeah, but now you've grown. How many cats do you reckon you've had over the years? Oh, well, <laughs> a fair few. Yeah. We um we had I had a my first ever go kart was a Tony Kart Bambino, which was you know, small. Yeah. And I very quickly complained that it didn't go fast enough. So dad ended up putting a coma cadet engine on it when I was about four. Oh. And I went racing against dad whenever we could have a go. So that was a bit of fun until it was wet and he turned me around at work and I ended up in a puddle of water soaked. So, yeah, I had that. And then when I first started racing, I had an arrow for the first year. Mm-hmm. And then I had an energy cart. And then the JC cart thing sort of started. And in there, with the amount of go-karts dad tried and different chassis and different shapes, yeah, it's um too many to count. <laughs> So for those who don't know who you are, who is your dad? Uh, his name's John Target and he's been in go-karts for, I don't know, probably 45 years, yeah. forever. And um, he moved to Europe like I have when he was 20 and lived here for 11 years in Italy doing, well, racing at first. And then once he stopped racing, being a team manager at, top cart and running the race team and then also starting energy carts with Mickey Panigata. Mm-hmm. And then when he came home from Europe, he didn't actually have any intentions of, you know, getting into go-karts again. He wanted to get a normal job and then he found himself back at the go-kart track within two months and nothing really changed. <laughs> no. <laughs> I remember going to the track when he was racing. That's how long I've known your yeah. dad <laughs> and mum. And so you've yeah. got mum as well. She's she's known around the track in karting. Um, yeah. How did she get involved? Do you know how she got started in motorsports? Yeah, I'm pretty sure one of her, well, her best friend from high school ended up getting a kart. She, they just kind of got interested one day and, went into it and then mum never really drove a lot she mainly went to the track to mechanic and help out and just you know hang out with her friends and then she slowly ended up making a lot of friends at the track and meeting a lot of people and learning how to mechanic and then did a fair bit of driving herself in practice sessions and that sort of stuff and then you know she met dad and came over to Europe (laughs) as well and you know, did the same sort of thing over here, did some mechanicing and worked in the race teams and just yeah. she's always been around as well. And have they ever had a race against each other? <laughs> mm, well, possibly, but I can't really, I don't really know. I think there's probably there's probably been a couple races, but any of the ones I've been told about have been won by mum. So Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> so you are over there um, at Italy in the moment, at the moment, sorry. Um, how did you get over there? How did this opportunity come up for you to go to Italy? Um, well, it was quite a long sort of path. I 
when I started racing KZ, it was kind of very well known in Australia that the barrel chassis was the best to use. And I had always used JC carts and the parallel chassis for for as long as I could remember before that. So it was weird for me to change, but it was also great because, you know, we could we had a bit of freedom as what chassis we could pick and who we could go with. So when I started racing in a barrel chassis in a Leclerc card in Australia, obviously Michael Patrese is the dealer and he gets to pick one person a year to go to the Richard Melee shootout in a Formula 4 car. And I was lucky enough that he picked me for last year's shootout. And then, you know, it was, it was actually very difficult to go because the COVID situation at the time was unless you have a very legitimate reason, you can't leave and you can't come back. So there was a lot of effort put in to try to even be able to leave. And when we left, there was no real certainty that when we were going to come back or how or nothing. It was just we kind of wanted to go to, yeah, just go to try to have the opportunity. And, you know, it was it was hard because I only got to drive a Formula 4 car in Australia for about, 30 laps around Morgan Park. So, you know, different chassis, completely different tracks, completely different driving style, everything. Yeah. And then I went to the Richard Millet shootout in, uh, uh, it's called Navarra, the track in the north of Spain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, I had no idea how I was going to go, but I was confident that I would be somewhat there. And then throughout the driving, it kind of, you know, we only had one day of driving, only four sessions and then a top six and top three shootout. So through the four practice sessions, it was very good and I was quite fast. And then actually going into the last session, I was fastest. And, you know, I was, oh, this is pretty good. And then I'd never had any experience driving a Formula 4 car at all and then at all on new tires either and the other two that I was competing against had driven around that track with new tires and tested and everything so I didn't end up winning in the top three but obviously that relation with the Richard Melee Academy was through Beryl yes. so the Beryl guys Ronnie Seller and Ricardo Longhi were there watching and they spoke to dad a bit and spoke to me and then they liked how I went at the academy and then offered me a deal for this year to race Beryl factory team in KZ2 in Europe. So fantastic. Yeah, there was there was kind of no intention to be in this position. Yeah. It's just you know, it was either I won the Richard Miller Academy and I raced from four or I came back to Australia. There was no intention at all to end up here. But oh you know, wow. Here we are. Well, that's fantastic. Is it scary being there by yourself? Are you there by yourself? Yeah, at the moment, Dad came with me for the first three weeks mm-hmm. and came to the first race of the year, but then he had to go home because, you know, it's, he can't really stay here with me for the whole year. He, and um, so, you know, I know a lot of people here thanks to Dad and yep. the people that he has known 
and there's quite a few Australians here this year as well. So I'm quite lucky in that fact that I know people here already. Yes. So, yeah, it's not been easy, but it's not been, you know, completely, it's not been impossible. And do you speak Italian? Or are you just learning well, it now on the go? Or how are you communicating well, with people? Most of them can speak quite good English, which is helpful, but yeah. I'm trying to learn as much Italian as I can, but I haven't got much further than, you know, hello and <laughs> can I have this and ordering a bit of food. So, yeah, it's quite hard sometimes because, like yesterday, I needed to redo the thing on my phone so I could talk to people and ring up mum and dad. Yeah. And I went to a shop and they couldn't speak any English. So... I ended up not being able to do it and today I actually got a ride about four or five k's into Monza to try to hopefully find someone that will be able to do it. So things like that have been difficult. Yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And what about the culture and like the food and things like that? Do you like that food? Um or are you having Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, the Italian food's my favorite. You um, <laughs> know. Their steak is questionable because they are they don't exactly cook it very much. No. But last night I went to the shop and bought myself some steak and cooked it myself and it was alright. Yeah. So yeah, but all the pasta and pizza and the hams and the all the, you know, cakes for breakfast, it's not yeah, <laughs> it's quite quite nice. <laughs> of course you're not having very many of those though, are you? No, no never. <laughs> So, so if there's a full-time driver for Bureau, um, what does your day look like? What, what do you do day to day? Um, well, it depends. If I'm at the fact, if I'm, you know, at home, I'll go to the factory during the day and help out in the race team. Mm -hmm. So that's normally about eight hours a day. So, you know, and then I've got to come home and do adult stuff like, you know, wash and cook and make sure my bedroom's tidy, which it currently isn't very tidy because I only got home yesterday. Yeah. And um, do all that stuff. So that keeps me quite busy. And did and you then, have that skill set, sorry, before you went over there or is that something now you've had to just learn or has mum had you doing all those things for a few years now? Well, cooking I've been all right because I, I did a bit of cooking in school. Yeah. So that was pretty fun, but most of the cooking in school normally consisted of me and my friends <laughs> burning stuff and not cooking correctly. But I learned enough that I can do it. And, yeah, the washing and clothes washing and things like that, I had to learn a bit of before I came over here. Yeah. So I didn't you know, make things shrink and so I actually <laughs> fit all my clothes by the time, you know, after three months. Yeah. But, yeah, I learned a fair bit of it before I came here, which was helpful. Good. Yeah, I think some, sometimes people forget. They go, oh, okay, I'm, you know, especially because you're so um, young. Do you want to tell people how old you actually are, Oscar? Yeah, I'm only 16, so. Yeah, yeah. and it's a very big thing for you to, to pack home and and um, stay over there. Did you come home from Spain before you went back or have you just stayed there the whole time? Yeah, I did come home. We It was quite difficult. We had to go to Sydney, which was completely out of luck but perfect that we couldn't come home because I was then in Sydney at the right time 
to meet all the people from Grove and then join the junior team. Yeah. So whilst it still possibly could have happened while I was in Queensland, it was just a lot, you know, it was just, it all lined up, managed, it just lined up perfectly that with the COVID restrictions, I had to go to Sydney and all the supercars teams were there. And then I did the Grove interview and they liked me. And the next day they said, oh, do you want to come to Sydney Motorsport Park and hang out with us for the weekend? I'm like, oh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> so you know, it was just, yeah, it was a bit of... stars aligned. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then okay. I was only at home for probably a month mm-hmm. and then came back again and now I'm acclimatised to cold weather. And so who do you live with over there? Um, I live with one guy called Enzo who works in the race team and has been in European karting for dad dad, when dad got here in 1990 and so it was already here mechanicing for people and those sorts of things so he's been in karting forever and um so yeah I live at the Birrell factory and yeah it's very good and how many people in the race team uh it depends so in KZ there is six drivers for all of the WSK races and not not the as big races, but then there's also eight people, eight other drivers in the OK and OKJ category. So there's normally about 14 or 15 of us at any one race. And um, But when I am intending to race next at the European Championship, I think we'll have 10 KZ and KZ2 drivers between you know, between the two classes. So that'll be really good with some, obviously some very high quality teammates as well to learn off. Yeah. And is there many differences from karting in Australia to karting internationally? Yeah, it's huge differences. I I think personally the biggest one is being used to being in a team because while at home I was in the team, it was kind of with all my friends and I was never in the same class as anyone, or if I was, I wasn't in the same go-kart, or there was completely different experience levels. And so I've never really had a proper teammate at any stage. And now I've got, you know, five or six of the best drivers in the world as my teammates. So that's that's been a very big change, getting used to the fact that, you know, there's there's other people that are there that can help you. Because normally it's, you know, just dad and I or whoever (laughs) there trying to figure out what we can do. And now I've got basically unlimited resources to the best people in the world to help me. It's awesome. And how old are your teammates? Are they around the same age as well? Or are they also in their first year or they've been there for a few years and a little bit older? Um, All of my teammates in KZ are older than me. They're all, I think, they're 17, 19, 20 and upwards. So, but all of them have either had one or two years experience minimum in KZ in Europe and some of them up to eight or nine years experience. Wow. So, yeah, you know, I think I I have three European champions and two world champions in KZ as my teammates. So it's... Yeah, it's very, 
very helpful. Yeah, so going back to your day-to-day stuff, you're saying that you help out around the factory. Are they there at the factory too? Like, do you do guys do a lot of training together? Do you debrief together? Um, how do you work together as a team? What's that special gel that you're talking about? Um, the Our team manager, Ricardo Longhi, he is the only driver that's at the factory every day, but he's also the team manager. So he works in the race team you know, preparing carts and things, and we do a lot of that together. So him, myself, and Enzo and another mechanic all help in the factory, and, you know, I've got to know them very well in only two months, so they've been very helpful. And, you know, when I need to go to the shops and I I end up (laughs) buying the wrong thing because I can't read what it is, they're very helpful with making sure, you know, going with me or and getting the right things or when we go to lunch they'll translate what's on the menu for me and those sorts of things i would do have to ask oscar have they stitched you up <laughs> uh not yet they haven't no, like they haven't like made your order snake <laughs> or snails or no. something. <laughs> i think it was i was okay because they've tried to a couple times but i my italian's all right enough that I can catch on if they're trying to do something. So that they they've stitched me up with asking mechanics stupid questions and telling other mechanics some things in Italian and they're like, yeah, it means this and it doesn't mean that at all. (laughs) I would be so gullible. I would be the worst person. I'd go, really? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Because sorry. Yeah, they'll tell you, you know, go say this thing and it'll be right like the first five times. So then you just start believing them. And then you go tell some other mechanic that all his wheels are going to fall off and like <laughs> his engine's on backwards or, you know, the chain isn't tight enough. And I will think I'm saying like, you're really cool. Yeah. So. But you're not. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, yeah, so you're helping out into the factory and then you come home at night. Are you doing a lot of training? So what does your physical training um, look like? I mean, I know you've um, got some bedroom. <laughs> yeah, at, at the moment, obviously, I'm going to a lot of races. So at the race, I'm not doing any because I'm always driving. But at home, I'm just doing things that I've learned from Phil Young, who I went to in Australia from... Uh, GP Human Performance. So he worked with people like Jensen Button and James Courtney and Shane Van Gisbergen. So I was lucky enough to go to him for about three or four months before I left. And um, he taught me a lot of things. So I'm kind of just doing the same sort of things, well, as much as I can that I did with him. So I don't don't really have any machinery, of course, but (laughs) I'm trying my best to keep fit in between races. Yeah, and you did mention before that it's cold over there. So how, do you venture out for runs or for bike rides or anything like that, or is it just too cold? Um, now you could probably try doing a bit yeah. of running and bike riding, but probably this is the earliest you'd want to do it. Otherwise it's just, yeah, it's too cold. But the other day at Sano it was like 15 or 16 degrees and I thought it was hot. So, you know, <laughs> I've gotten used to the cold of always below 10 degrees and some, and a lot of the time into the negatives. So, 
Yeah, and you mentioned that you are traveling around a lot for the racing at the moment. Um, and I know like Europe's quite small, but do you get any jet lag or anything like that? Or how do you go? Uh, no. Countries? Yep. Not in Europe because it's just, I think the biggest time zone change between races is an hour or two. Yeah. So it's only really like going from Brisbane to Sydney at most times of the year with the daylight savings. So it's not too bad, but, you know, we, it's just been very busy the last three weeks. So I raced in, um, in French quarter. So we went there on Tuesday and Wednesday to set up and then practiced and raced Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, packed everything up Sunday night and drove to Laconca on Monday, which is a 12 hour drive from here. Mm-hmm. And then set up Tuesday to race Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then once again, packed up Sunday and drove another four hours to Sano to set up Monday afternoon and Tuesday to then race again all day all the rest of the week and pack up again Sunday and drive eight hours back yesterday to Milan to, um, you know, finish off a big three weeks. Yeah, it sounds like you need just to recover for a little bit. Um, yeah. So that kind of brings up my next question of, like, you're going to all of these brand-new tracks. How do you go about learning the new track? Do you obviously have maps? Have you got drone pictures? Or how do you learn a new track? Um, For me, you know, going on a track walk is probably the best way and talking to my teammates because, obviously, mm-hmm. for karting tracks, it's near impossible to get any sort of simulation of it. And, um, you know, also watching previous races. So I'll go, all the races here are live streams. So I'll go on YouTube and look up the race there from last year and watch and look at the lines and look at where people are overtaking and all those sorts of things. But until you really get out there and drive it yourself, it's it's very difficult to have any sort of pre-interpretation of what the track is going to be like. So... Yeah, and it's, it's quite, that's one of your strengths that you can go out there and you're quite adaptable and you can pick up the track quite easily or yeah for sure because at home mum and dad never took me testing to any of the th- any of the tracks that AKC went to so if I wanted to go good I had to learn how to go good from the first practice session so I kind of that's kind of one of my strengths in racing in general that I can go to a track and I don't need to go for three or four days testing before to learn the track because I haven't been able to in the past. And if I want to, you know, go good in the races, I've had to learn quickly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, while you do get a lot more practice over here than at home, um, it's definitely helpful being able to pick up a track quickly because of what I've been taught in Australia. Fantastic. Um, do you get to do much sightseeing or have you done much sightseeing since you've been there? Um, a little bit, but not not a lot because, you know, we were very busy. But the track that we were at um, just last weekend is about 20 minutes from the base of the volcano that wiped out all of Pompeii. Oh, cool. So I saw Pompeii, but from about 10 kilometres <laughs> away on the highway. 
so that's yeah that's about the most sightseeing i've done so far this year but for sure i'll be able to see some cool things as we go along yeah and so what does your plan look like for 2022 sounds pretty busy already yeah so so far i've done four races and at the moment the plan is to do three more which are the two rounds of european championship which will be in gank in belgium the first round and then the second round in cremona down here in italy and then the world championship at Le Mans. but then we're also trying to work now to get a few more races in in between that time and a bit more testing so you know we can get a bit more competitive for those three probably the three biggest events in world karting and will your parents come back over for those or they'll just watch it live streaming uh my <laughs> mum is going to come for gank and then for Cremona, I'll be by myself, but mum and dad are going to come for the World Championship in Le Mans. So that'll be very cool. Fantastic. Hey, Jack. That'll be very cool to have them there. To, yeah. You know, just to see what see what it's like. Obviously, they've been, they've been there before. They've been to plenty of World and European Championships, but it'll sure. be cool to have them there when I'm racing. Yeah, of course. We always, we always get homesick, don't we, regardless of where we live in the world, if we yeah. in the next state. Um, so you mentioned about your partnership with Grove. Um, you're an ambassador um, as, the yeah. junior, as part of the Grove junior team. Um, again, it was a selection criteria, and that was how you got selected to be upon the team. But what does that ambassadorship um, or being part of the team mean? Um, well... It's very good because I have a lot of support from everyone at Grove, Stephen and Brenton. You know they're very helpful, just in all parts. You know mm-hmm. they've offered me support on the racing side, on the personal. Like you know, if they've said if you're ever feeling lonely, you can ring us up whenever you want and have a chat. And then also the people that are in the Grove racing team. So. Now David Couch, he probably the best engineer on the supercars grid, and Lee Holdsworth and David Reynolds have also have also been in contact with them, and they've been you know mentoring me through the start of my journey so far, and wow. you know hopefully all the way up until supercars. And is that the grand plan? Are you wanting to do supercars, or are you wanting to stay there and do the more indie way? Or um, well, I'd really like to do the open wheel. You know, mm-hmm venture through formula four three two and one but it's just it's not realistic with the budgets we have and it's just it's very very difficult to do yeah and i also you know living here for two months i really like it here but australia is just probably the best place (laughs) in the world so not only the race not only the racing side of it but also just life in general I really like in Australia and I've always been you know I was a fan of the supercars long before I ever watched from the one or IndyCar so that's, that's kind of always where I wanted to go and now I've kind of properly started the path towards that. Mm-hmm. Yeah and so is that the plan probably be there for one or two years and come back and maybe do some super threes super twos with Grove? Yeah, at this stage, that's the plan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of, there's no sort of set in stone plan because there was even never a plan to be here. So, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. So 
at the moment, next year's plan would kind of either be to be at home racing a car or to be back here again. But, you know, I, we're still very much thinking about this year and getting the best results we can before we start moving on to what we can achieve next year and even what I'll be racing, where I'll be. Yeah, it's one of those wonderful paths, isn't it? It's just opened. Yeah. Um, so if you weren't racing this year, what would you have been doing? Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> Were you at, would you at school? Would you have been at uni working? Um, yeah, probably be at, at school, you know, yep. doing normal thing. Don't know. I'd, I kind of had picked subjects for this year that weren't going to be very difficult. So I'd picked the th- two of the science subjects and then extended math and English as well. So it was kind of, if I was at school, it was going to be a very big year. And um, so, yeah, I'd probably be at home doing lots of study and, yeah, just hanging out. And so have you left school or are you doing school over there? Um, at the moment, I haven't been doing any school over here, but mum and I are working to do not proper, like, online school with a school, but there is an Australian program where you can complete year 11 and 12 online and you can do it as short as six months or as long as seven years so kind of the plan would be to once I'm fully settled in over here start doing a bit of that and then I can pick and choose when I want to do things and you know I'd really like to ideally finish school by the end of this year because if I can do that I'm a year early and then next year I'm I can not worry about it you know yeah just concentrate on your racing yeah so what social media accounts do you have that people can follow you Oscar um I have my I have a Facebook page for my sporting what's called the sporting page and then also my Instagram account which are both you can just find it Oscar target and you know I try to do my best to keep everyone updated but I'm not I wasn't great at it so I'm working now mum's quite good at writing things so I talk to her about it and I'll write something and send it to her and she'll change it and then you know there's a lot of back and forth around that and then we realize oh it's a day <laughs> we're a day behind the first time we did it we're a day too late so we need to do it a bit quicker next time so we're trying our best to you know do as much as we can keep everyone updated but at the moment it's um yeah well <laughs> it's definitely a work in progress and do the teams help you with any of like that off track development side of things? But when it's Grove yeah. you're all yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, all the guys at Grove are very helpful. Every time I, you know, want to post something very important on social media, they're open to me sending them an email saying, What do you think about this? And they'll respond very quickly and very helpfully with recommendations. So yeah, they're, they're amazing at helping with all those sorts of things. Fantastic. It's good to um, be on top of all that social media stuff to keep all your fans up to date. Well done. Um, I'll put all those links to Oscar Pages into the show notes so you can follow his journey. Um, did you? What is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Um, I'm not really sure because... I was lucky enough that I had dad, so I kind of... Yeah, the best, nothing, best really, yeah. didn't you? 
yeah, there was nothing that I kind of couldn't go to him and ask. And if he didn't know, there's so many people that were willing to help me in Australia, such as, you know, Trey Hunt or any of my sponsors, the people at Grove now, or just even mum, she knows everything that they need to know as well. So if, yeah, whenever I needed to know something, I could kind of just ask those guys. So as I went along, if, you know, I need to ask someone about now when I'm over here, how do I go collect tyres? Yeah. I don't need to, you know, try to figure it out myself. I did, there's, I know people, thank you, thanks to Dad, that I can just go ask, oh, how do I talk to these people and what do I say to get my tyres to race with? Yeah. So I've been very grateful that there isn't anything that I've really had to learn that much by right. myself because of all the people that have been able to help me, thanks to my parents. Yeah, and so who would you say has been your biggest influence in your karting career? I'd have to say dad. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Because just, you know, everything that I've done has been because of his help. Yeah. You know, he's always, up until last year, he always mechanicked for me. You know, he, he always had people asking to mechanic, for him to mechanic for them, and he said no so he could help me when he could have very easily, you know, gone and mechanic for the best drivers in Australia and probably won a lot more stuff as well. So, you oh, know, he's just kind of been with me all the way and helping me just in every way possible. Well, very nice. Um, and when it comes to racing, Oscar, do you have any rituals? Any, like, wear socks? Special socks, or you put your gloves on last, or any kind of little quirky things um, like that, or you've got race undies. Or I used to wear like, you know, when you go to the trampoline parks and you get those like grippy socks. Yeah. But for some reason, for about three years, I would always wear them in my race boots. Uh-huh. I don't know why. Maybe it was like I have no idea why I did it, but I did. And you don't. And then, do it no, that was when I was probably <laughs> 9, 10, 11. So yeah. I haven't been to a trampoline park lately <laughs> enough to uh, get a pair of socks that fit now. But um, maybe I need to go you know, get more towards the front. But, um, <laughs> yeah, at the moment, yeah, it's kind of I've always just been very go with what's going on and go as fast as I can. Yeah. Um, so I've got one more question for all you. Is there anything else that you want to talk to us about or share with us today? Um, not really. All of your questions have been very good and, you know, asked everything that I would assume people will want to know. Yeah. I mean, as it said, like, it's a fantastic story and lots of people, you know, would love to be over there and they don't know how to get there or you know, what's it about? And I think as a parent, I'd be like mortified that my 16 year old son is on the other side of the world, living with a man <laughs> like in the country that he can't speak the language. Um, but as you mentioned, that your parents have been there and done it. So they've got full yeah. trust in the system. And of course, a lot of, um, unfortunately, a lot of uh, Australians do have to do that, don't they, to get noticed and to, yeah. to go up through the ranks, um, especially if you are wanting to go to F1s. 
yeah. And yeah, it's always about finding what time or like what age. So, you know, is it that 15, is it yeah. 16, it's the 17s? And, and again, yeah. from your perspective, having to like learn how to do all these life skills and, but you know, how, um, what a wonderful life um, opportunity that you've got there to, to now like learn a second language and, you know, be involved in that culture and all the different friends you're going to meet um, whilst you're on this yeah. journey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yep. for sure. It's been, um, it's, you know, it's not easy living over here, but for sure that's something, that's probably a reason why all the Australians you see in open wheel cars, while there's very few of them, they're so successful because they've had to kind of do everything the hard way to get to where they are because, you know, you have to do basically what I've done and live on the other side of the world, other side of the world and race you know, in conditions where you're completely not used to. And then when things start to get a bit more comfortable as they've moved into that open wheel car scene, for them it's probably easy because they've been so used to doing things the difficult way through through my age that when they get to that stage, they're just, you know, near perfect in every way that they go really, really good. Yeah, and I guess like the benefit of being there by yourself is that that is your life. And so yeah. everything is just, you know, motorsport, motorsport, motorsport because, yeah. you know, you don't have that social outlet um, or that that group of friends, especially initially like now. Um, so yeah. that's what you're focusing on. Yeah, for sure. So whilst you're in Italy, the, my last question is pineapple on pizzas. <laughs> well, not for me. And I think you'd probably be sent back to Australia if you are ordered one in a restaurant here. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's not very it's very <laughs> much frowned upon here. If someone mentions it in a tent, there'll be mechanics screaming in Italian, and yeah, not not very happy people if you mention pineapple and pizza over here. But yeah, definitely not for me. No pineapple. All right. I'll remember that when you come back. Well, Oscar, thank you very much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your story and um, give us a bit of an insight to life in Italy. No problem. Thank you for, uh, you know, offering me the opportunity to come on my first sort of podcast thing and do my first proper at-length interview about my career so far. Fantastic. Well, Follow Oscar's journey, everybody, as I said. Um, hopefully it's going to be in the supercars in the next five or so years. So, you know, maybe we'll catch up every year and see how you're progressing. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like a good idea to me. All right. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember, all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe, and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out, and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Tea. Until next time, take care.